Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we're going to be looking at a case study of someone who could have changed the world. He had a lot in his corner, he had a lot going for him, but in the end he is an example of a failed leader, a broken man and someone who wasted opportunity and potential. So today we're going to be looking at what Saul leadership looks like. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. As far as possible, every week we release a new podcast. And the point of the podcast is really just to grab a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate, whatever it is that you want to drink. And let's spend 15 minutes together just speaking about something, anything that may help us become more like Jesus. So please subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you are on. And let's dive in to today's session. Once again, we're speaking about leadership. We're speaking about how a person who had so much, didn't finish strong. And unfortunately, we see so many leaders who fall into this category. We see leaders who start strong, but finish weak, even though they had all the potential, all the possibility in the world. And so the person we're going to be looking at is Saul. What can we learn from Saul that sets us up to lead well all the way to the end? So the things I'm going to say uh, during this podcast is true for every arena of leadership. So whether you're a husband, a parent, boss, volunteer leader, pastor, president, these principles are valid. And before I dive into the four or five principles we're going to be talking about today, I want to say something uh, at the outset. I think often we have become un unkind to Saul. We, we portray him as the worst possible leader. Uh, we, we portray him as the kind of the opposite to the David kind of kingship, the David leadership. But I want to say Saul was, was also a victim in certain senses. He, he was chosen by the people because the people wanted to emulate the nations around him. He, you know, he, he, he was almost set up by the perception of people. He was set up by what they wanted. And actually, in fact, in the beginning, he did some really good things. But I want to talk about a few things in his life, not to, not to, bring him down, not to push him out of the way, but just to highlight things in our own leadership that might stop us from finishing strong. And so right off the bat, we should never be unkind to the people in Scripture. We should never be unkind to, to their legacy. But let's talk about Saul, the leadership, and the things that we can take out of his life and leadership. The first one, and we're talking about Saul leadership, the first thing we understand about Saul leadership is that it is perception-driven. Saul leadership is perception driven. In 1 Samuel 13, 11 to 12, it says this, Samuel said, what have you done? This is just after Saul has offered unauthorized sacrifices. And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. <clears throat> so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Now, this is a very sad moment. Saul was concerned with three things, a deserting army, a distant prophet, and a growing enemy. He, his eyes were focused on those three things, his own deserting army, a distant prophet, and a gathering army. And he saw all of this and was worried about how it looked. He was concerned with perception. He wasn't worried about God and seeking God because God had given him instruction through Samuel. Instead, he wanted to look like he and God 
were together. He wanted to convince the enemy and his own army because he was worried about what they were thinking. He was more, he was more concerned with why they were leaving than what God could do through him on his own with obedience. God could have brought about a victory through the obedience of a single king rather than the, the, the entire army, but that single king was not worried about what God wanted. He was worried about what the enemy and his own army thought. So leadership is not driven by obedience, but about what it thinks others think. I want to say that again. Soul leadership is not driven by obedience, by what it thinks others think. Leadership that doesn't finish strong is often defined by the opinions of others, not obedience to God's word. Think about that for a moment. Finishing strong is often a result of obedience, not the opinions of others. Obedience to God does not always mean the world responds how we want it to. You know, in, in terms of Saul, if, if he'd have been obedient to God, the army was still deserting, the enemy was still gathering. It, often the world doesn't confirm obedience. What, if, if you're looking to your context, your situation to confirm obedience, you might not get it. What it does mean is that we are on God's side. Obedience means we are on his side and there is no better place to be. So number one, Saul leadership is perception driven. Number two, Saul leadership shows insecurity in the leader. It's, it's an insecure leader. It's insecure and threatened by other gifted people and other successful leadership. And here is how he responds to David's success in 1 Samuel 18, 6-9. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the woman came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the woman sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Saul leadership is insecure. It's insecure with other people's victories. It's insecure with other people's talents. The woman, if you read that passage, it says the woman came out to meet King Saul. They didn't come out to meet David. They were celebrating the victory their king had won by using an incredible warrior in his ranks. He was a king who had an incredible resource. What better resource for a king? What better resource for a king than, than a, a dominant warrior? For a king, this is priceless. And what he should have done is created space in his chariot, in his heart for David. He should have brought him close and should have allowed him space in his life. Instead, he allowed anger and suspicion into his heart because he was insecure. Instead of allowing David in, he allowed anger and suspicion in. Leadership that probably won't finish strong is insecure. As leaders, one of the things that will cripple your effectiveness and legacy is being threatened by other people's giftedness and success. Your authority is not due to being the most gifted or the most successful. You are not a leader because you are the best. You are a leader because God has called you to leadership and because you are anointed. Leadership is not a competition. It is not enhanced through comparison. I want to use the illustration of a husband and wife real quick. The Bible calls the husband the head of the home. 
Now, that's not because the man has done anything to earn that headship. That's not because the man has, has you know, gone through certain trials and tests to become the man of the home. No, the anointing is placed on the husband on the wedding day because God chooses. God designs. And so, leader, wherever you are, can I just talk to you for a moment? If you're a leader listening to this, please don't try and think that your leadership is dependent on you having all the answers, on you being the most capable, on you being the best at whatever it is you think you need to be the best at. Leader, you are a leader because God has anointed and appointed you. And please, if we can do anything, can we please remove insecurity from our leadership? The opposite of soul leadership then is leadership that celebrates others' victories. Leadership that doesn't compare or compete, but it celebrates. So number one, soul leadership is perception-driven. Number two, soul leadership is insecure. Number three, soul leadership breaks its own rules. A characteristic of soul leadership is that when the times get tough, these leaders are willing to go against their own rules, their own principles, and their own values. Let me show you what I mean um, out of chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Verse 3 says this, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul, now this is Saul's instruction, this is after the prophet Samuel had died, and Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. Saul decreed something. He said, in Israel, there will be no witchcraft, no sorcery. Then, just two verses later in verse 5, Again, he's confronted with an army, and it says this, When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself, and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. This is the same man who two verses earlier had made witchcraft illegal. And the practitioners of those dark arts knew that. The nation knew the law. And yet when Saul faced a quiet heaven in the face of a loud army, he broke his own law. This is a sign of Saul leadership. We all know leaders who are hard on others and yet do the exact same thing themselves. They preach on things and shout at people about the very things they themselves are doing. And this gets exasperated. This gets magnified when that kind of leader is facing opposition, when the enemy in front of them is loud, when the financial burden gets heavy, when relational things get tough. These kinds of leaders break their own rules when it's convenient to them. When a leader does what they condemn others for, there is no integrity there. And the door is open for corrupted leadership to gather around them. I want you to hear that phrase, and I'm going to say it again. When a leader does what they condemn others for, there is no integrity. And the door is open for corrupted leadership to gather. I want, to, I want to encourage you leaders. I want to encourage you men and women of God. Let us not get so strong on the very things that we're struggling with that it, that it breaks our own integrity. The opposite of this is then a leader who leads according to their values and principles. 
and is able to extend grace to those who don't meet those standards. The opposite of Saul leadership would be someone who is strong on their values, refuses to break their own principles, yet has grace for those who don't meet their own personal standards. And I think as leaders, that's what we need to aim for. We need to aim to be value-driven in terms of what we do and grace-driven in terms of how we engage with the people around us. So I hope this is helping. I've got one more point. Uh, so the first three, soul leadership is perception-driven. Soul leadership is insecure. Soul leadership breaks its own rules. And lastly, soul leadership is driven by moments and emotions. Moments and emotions. We see through all of the things that I've read up till this point, all those moments in Scripture, all his moments of weakness, that, that soul leaders are driven by moments and emotion. Saul was not able to go through life with any stability and consistency because he allowed each moment and emotion he experienced to define him. When he was afraid, he did things out of fear. When, when he was angry, he did things out of anger. When he was insecure, he did things out of insecurity. Every time an emotion arose, any time a moment came, he responded out of the emotion and the moment. When he was insecure about David, he became an attempted murderer. When the army was deserting him, he became interested in witchcraft. When David spared him and honored him in the wilderness, he repented. Saul leaders are not good at consistency. Saul leaders have people following who never know which leader they're going to encounter today. Think of poor David. He honored King Saul all the way through, and sometimes he would be welcomed into his courts as a musician. Other times he would be lauded as this incredible warrior. Other times he would be persecuted as a rebellious uh, person in the kingdom. And other times Saul blessed him and repented. You, he never knew which Saul he was going to encounter. And this creates, in any organization, if the leader is like this, this creates an uncertainty and a nervousness in people. However, the thing about Saul leadership is that it does lack consistency. Instead of allowing emotions and moments to define us, we should define our emotions and moments through our devotion to God. I want to say that again. Instead of allowing moments and emotions to define us, we should define our emotions and moments through our devotion to God. We should define these things through our purpose from God and through God's word to us. What are you allowing to define you? Moments and emotions or your devotion? And so as we close off today, I, ho I hope some of these thoughts have resonated in you. And as leaders, I hope this has encouraged you. But here are some diagnostic questions. Are we driven by what others think? What drives you? What makes you angry or insecure? What makes you insecure? What values do we go against when the times get tough? And lastly, what moments and emotions change how we behave? Let me go through those again. Are we driven by what others think? What makes us insecure? What values do we go against when the times get tough? And what moments and emotions change who we are and how we behave? Well, thank you once again so much for joining us on this Coffee with Jesus podcast. Hope these few thoughts have helped you. And, and I pray that you would ponder on them as you go through the week and allow just this reflection on soul leadership to challenge your own leadership. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And we will see you again next week. Bye, everyone.